0: Good morning, everyone. As we kick off February, we have decided to interview inspirational black leaders and thinkers in celebration of Black History Month. This week's guest is Anwar Ahmed, also known as Anweezy. Anwar is a software engineer turned music producer and entrepreneur who believes deeply in creating your own path through intuitive experimentation. At the age of 27, Anwar has co-founded numerous companies and worked in a wide range of industries, including food trucks, dispensaries, software consulting, music management, and now music production. In this week's episode, Anwar shares his incredible life journey, including stories about hacking T-Mobile at the age of 15, playing college basketball after being cut from his high school team, and a never-told-before story about his mental health challenges at Penn State. We hope you enjoy this episode of Discover More with us and Anweezy.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Discover More, where we strive to accelerate the learning
0: process together through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast was built on the foundation of approachable guests, synthesized experiences, and relatable lessons that will help you grow throughout your journey. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoy and continue to discover more. Anwar, welcome to the show, man.
2: Hey, thank you for having me.
0: Could you introduce yourself a little bit? Kind of just tell <laughs> the audience a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, so my name is Anwar Abra Ahmed. I also go by Anweezy. That's my artist name, production name. To be honest, Anweezy is actually my my nickname. It's been like that for, for over a decade, so I can't say it's just my production name or artist name. So a little bit about me. I'm I'm from Northern Virginia, the DMV area. I'm I'm an Ethiopian American that's very tech enhanced. Raised in the DMV, it taught me that your selection of friends mean the most. Uh, meaning that you might have a series of friends that do nothing and then obviously it's a tagline of you and you end up doing nothing. But if you meet a series of people that are all growing, they could all be growing in a different field but it still goes cohesive. So that's the beautiful thing about DMV. A little bit about myself. Let's start dark. When I was born, uh, my dad got in a car accident that only allowed my mom to actually take care of myself. She taught me loyalty by just looking at her and seeing how she moved. And she taught, she told me one thing that was very strong and it was, it was straight up. Uh, even as a kid, teenager, adult, same thing. Once I'm gone, you have yourself and you only have yourself. So make sure you love yourself and treat yourself like yourself, that's it. So I'm growing off it. And yeah, man, it's such a good experience. My early years, my early years were kind of different. I got to travel often, just walking around the streets straight up. Uh, My mom has been working, so literally I was a different kind of nomad. Like, I never was home. Uh, I can say that I met over a thousand families in Virginia alone, just lollygagging and being introed into families and getting loved by families. And so me as a kid kind of blessed me because it, it made a series of seeds that have blossomed well. Like, I have amazing friends that have my back whenever I need it. And whenever I feel like self-conscious, I feel down or anything, I know who I should call, and that's my home friends, my Virginia friends. You know, I love them all. Hamouda, Janaid, Mo, all you guys, always treated me well. So even if I even if I did dump stuff or dumb shit, you guys would align me, and I would still be strong. My mom, I love you so much. You showed me that anything is possible. You know, perseverance is everything, and it's not about how talented you are, but how well you execute something consistently. So I love you for that, mom. And trust me, I'm gonna succeed. My early days, I'd say I've I've been a, an entrepreneur growing up. When I was 11, 12 years old, my mom could tell you I was selling hamburgers and fries out of the crib. After that, I would start selling on eBay, and I was learning about like how to just make easy money off obviously buying something for low and selling it for higher. So it didn't matter if I'm getting 20 cents, I still made a 20 cent profit. If I said $2, I made $2 profit. 13, 14, I started selling on eBay, and I was making a good, uh, a k about of money. I, was, I could say I was making... At that time frame back then, I was definitely the 1% of 12 and 13 year olds. <laughs> <laughs> as, as wild as that sounds. I, I know that sounds wild. But for generating money, I know I was one of those kids that were like, okay. When I was 14, coming into 15, uh, I was touching a lot of tech stuff like anywhere from Backtrack Linux to Kali Linux. Backtrack Linux used to be Kali Linux. So, Backtrack Linux is a system, it's an operating system that allows you, it has a series of tools that allows you to penetrate. Uh, it's used for penetration testing. When I was 15, <laughs> I was trying different types of maneuvers, and I was able to crack a company. And as wild as it was, it was T-Mobile. I hacked T-Mobile when I was 15. When people say hacking, that's wild because like you don't meet a lot of hackers. They can say they hack this, they hack that, but at the time frame, I was not thinking about the like the the good. Like I wasn't thinking about the bad side of it. Come on, like you just you just broke into something. You're like, oh my goodness, like this is unreal. Wow, where do we go from here? For a year, I was doing business activations that allowed me to do 10. 10 lines of activations every two minutes, which is kind of crazy. So I was making from anywhere from $70 to $200 in two minutes. And we all hear, we always hear, oh man, not Bill Gates. Bill Gates might make it by the second. But, oh yeah, by the time the dollar is the dollars You know how we hear those expressions and stuff like, oh man, they're making this much. That was the most money I've ever made in my life. And it doesn't matter how I see it. If it was 70, you divide that by two minutes. Each minute I was making $35. If it was 100, I was making $100 a minute. But that's saying impossible. Hopefully I get strong enough to a degree that returns me back there. But when I when I was making that money, I was careless but giving. Meaning that like I was giving out boxes of pizza by day. I was buying all my friends food. I was buying a crazy amount of sneakers and shoes. I didn't I didn't care. Like I didn't know what to do with that. I was 15 years old, you know? But it got bigger. I didn't just hack one store. I hacked a whole database. And it was through a party of Watson. They had a third party service named Watson. That was the first thing I penetrated and it worked. So I found out the pattern and I reflected each pattern by store. So I can't say the pattern because obviously I'll get in trouble. And it's sealed. It should be sealed by now. Um, yeah, and all the records are online still, Aiden. So it's not like mm-hmm. they're going anywhere. You could if, if I tell you how you'd find it, you'd be like, wow, they're still here. And it tells you dated, time frame, and everything. And I have my paperwork that shows me that I got caught a year after. And the way I got caught was stupid. I basically snitched on myself. I did <laughs> I did 50 activations to my own house. And obviously, they're gonna track back where the, bill,
0: the billing is gonna be headed to. And it was my one else. So, were you but, selling these activated phones? Like, where was the profit coming in? Were you activating them and selling to people around the country? Uh,
2: what I would do is I never wasted a dime, meaning that mm-hmm. I would just receive IMEI number from you, and then you would have to give me your, your SIM card number. I never had to be near you. I can't tell you how I did the rest, but I would log in. Use a business and I would make 10, 10 activations. Before doing the activations, I asked them where would you like your you know your area code from? They'll tell me, Oh, I went in California, Arizona, whatever, blah blah blah. So I'll get that information and I'll give them back the area code. It would be a limited everything, anywhere from internet, talk, international calling. And remember, this is not now where everything is so cheap and you know, tech has enhanced everything where it's like you can't win off just Prepaid cards Like Mm -hmm. You see what WhatsApp's doing Like they just Destroyed the whole market So Back then I'm telling you Aiden Those cards And those plans Were so expensive It did not make any sense But it made sense back then You know Mm -hmm. You're paying $300 For unlimited Or you're paying $20 for 20 minutes For a call to Ethiopia You know So like They sent They sent a couple paperwork They emailed me They found out who I was But they did not believe I was under 18 So They made me send in information Like you know IDs and stuff and that's what flipped the whole script for me. First, I was scared, obviously. Like, you have a whole you have a whole firm aiming at you. And me, I'm crying my eyes out thinking, I just want to play basketball. I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, oh, my God. And then I told them I was under 15. I'm mean, under 18. And they're like, no way. I sent the ID, said 15. And obviously, they flipped it for them now. So it was just, like, more towards they can't use me because, obviously, if they tried to sue me, it would be media effects. And you'll see CNN, Fox News, oh, 15 year old kid hacked (laughs) T-Mobile, their customers are gone.
0: It's like,
2: yeah, I don't feel safe no more, you know? So instead they allowed me to tell them how I did the loophole and I gave them to them, you know, a series of steps and they let me go. So yeah, so I got blessed.
1: Real quick, uh, Enwa, was that the first time you were able to identify that particular skill set that you had, your enhanced technological insight, kindling?
2: I've always been math-enhanced, like as a kid, in elementary school, they never put me in the regular classes, all my friends could be vouchers for it, I never been in my own class, I was in like a GT program where they're gifted and talented, and they'll try to teach you like algebra through chess pieces and like, like all that type of different type of stuff, so obviously, it was pre-built, so my notation of how I moved mentally was over time as a kid, like I got blessed, man, they saw me gifted, and they wanted to enhance it, so... Yeah, I can't really explain that series. For the hacking stuff, that that just happened over time, man. Like it's like you're trying things out. Like I told Aiden beforehand that like I just love testing and trying things out. Even as a human, like I want to try acting. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to try. I, I wanted to try music. No one can stop you towards that. They can judge you for it, or they can expect you to be better at something. They're like, yo, why are you doing this? You should be doing this. You know how many times I get that, Aiden? You know how many times I get people telling me, yo, why are you doing music for producing? You should be in tech, man. You're, you're amazing in tech. Oh, man, why are you doing this, bro? You should be opening up businesses here. Oh, yo, you should... No, you are not me. Respect that, man. That's it. Let me do what I'm doing. Let me waste my time. That's it. It's my time. Let me waste it. So over a while, I understood where I lied. Like, my mom didn't even understand. Like, I quit. I quit my first corporate job in three, four months. I hated it. I was like, I'm not staying here. And she, for her, she's like, oh, my God, you went to college. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Why would you quit? And I'm telling her, mom... I have 500 companies trying to, like, take me away. Like, I'm not worried about that. Like, I have to be happy. And to prove that to her, that happened in series. Like, that had to happen consistently. Like, my mom had to believe me in the sense that, like, yo, okay, my my son's different, straight up. I know he can do whatever he wants if he puts his mind into it. I can't judge. I can only appreciate and I can tell him what I would do if I was him. But it's on him to, you know, maneuver.
0: Where do you think that really came from? Like, is it just a feeling of, hey, I'm not happy with doing this? Because it's definitely a very... Empowered mindset to have and I think an issue that a lot of people in our age category are dealing with of what society is supposed to tell you like Does it just come down to the feeling of hey, I realized I didn't love doing this software engineering thing I'm a lot happier doing music production like where are you getting? This kind of mindset and approach to living life. That's so contrary to I mean everything that we saw at Penn State go to classes Get the a get the job
2: It came from my mom. Uh, She just kept kept giving me a scare factor of like, when I'm gone, you have yourself. When I'm gone, you have yourself. And that's always going to be stuck in my head. No one knows this. None of my friends know this. What they do know is their parents are only getting older and you can only try to support them and help them as much as you can, you know? But once they're gone, who do you have? You might have brothers. You might have sisters, uncle, aunts, whatever. Just, I have my mom. I have my mom. Once my mom is gone, I have me. It's built in my head, I have me, that's it. I went into college for basketball. This is where my passion for basketball, I didn't do well, I tried out for freshmen, I didn't make it, I tried out for sophomore, I didn't make it in high school. Tried out for junior, made it. Senior, I didn't make it, and the, the sad thing is, I don't care what anyone says, for sure, I knew that I was fired at that time frame for that team. Like it isn't my freshman, I should have made it. Sophomore, I should have made it. Junior, I made it, but I didn't get playing time, and they didn't give me the love I deserved. And senior year, I knew, it was just the coach. I don't want to say the, the coach did not like Muslims or did not like certain things, but there was a distinct notation of series of people that are on that team that was playing and not playing. I respect him for, you know, making me stronger. Cause of him, I was like, nah, I don't believe that you're stopping my basketball route. I'm gonna keep going. And that's how I played college ball. So I went into school and I come back home. I tell my mom, yo, I want to be a nutrition major. She looks at me. Yo, my mom, my mom is solid. No disrespect or anything, she spit on me. She literally said, Tiff. She said, No, you do all this, you think I'm gonna be a chef? Like, you're gonna be a chef? <laughs> she's, like, she's like, Do that on your free time, computer science. So now, play basketball for Wilkes Bar. Now I transition into University Park. I have no basketball, but I know that I'm in computer science, you know? This is the wild thing about life you never know the people that you meet that put you in the position to win, right? And it's usually accidental. That next semester coming up, I end up joining this power running class. And that's where I met Joe Charles, Keith, and uh, Murphy, Matt Murphy. We're in a power walking class, bro. We're, I'm telling you Penn State too rich because they're making power walking classes or whatever. So it's like a group of 50 people power walking. Is this serious? <laughs> like, like, what is going on? So we're laughing. We're having a good time. And then they're telling me, like, yo, man, um, would you be interested in coming by the house? I was like, okay, what house? Like, oh, fraternity house. We're in fraternity, 5 Gamma Delta. Fiji, I was like, dope. So I come to the house and I realized it's literally 99% white people, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this campus is already 97% white people. Now this fraternity is 99% white people. There's no common difference. In the classes I was taking for computer science and mathematics, there was only Asians, Indians, and whites. So I was one of the two, one out of the two black people in most classes. So I already understood that sequence, you know? So I already knew I was gonna be the odd one out or the black sheep, you know? but I took it differently. I saw it like this. I knew that if I'm in a group of all white people, all Asian people, it didn't matter who it was, that you have to see me. You're not gonna not see me. In the back of your head, you're gonna be like, who's that? You don't have to talk to me, but you're gonna be like, who's that? And as crazy as it sounds, that's an advantage for me. Like, that's a huge advantage. Like, you don't have to scout out, "Mm, that's him. Cause I'm a sore thumb, you're gonna see me, you know? So now I'm pledging Fiji, and I'm realizing this is so much work. I was not the best pledge. I was maybe the top two worst pledges, if I'm being honest, but uh, I was just blessed with an environment and they understood my sequence and they're like, you know what, man, go ahead, bro. So, shout, shout out to y'all. <laughs> Aiden was one of the pledges. Let's go.
0: <laughs> Sir, I knew you had just bigger things going on, man. Like, I was like, this dude's trying to balance comp side. I mean, from the moment I met you, it's clear you like dive deep on whatever you're doing and that's clear from all the stories you've told, you know, like you were diving deep on comp side and I was like, I'm taking 12 credits of a business major class as a sophomore. This dude's like programming computers. At least I can clean the bathroom for him, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I got a lot of people blessing me. The true blessing, and I got to say it because he needs his respect. It was Daniel Cervelli. He saved my whole life in shifting. He he saved it from shifting. Think about this. I was taking his Java class, and I had a program that was due today like imagine like i wake up and i'm it's to do today i didn't know what to do like i was just like oh my god it's today i'm a pledge right now mm-hmm. all right so i'm a pledge and i'm like oh my goodness like i'm about to fail java and i need java in order to go to these next three classes so that's how they do they do you dirty bro like they make you sure you know how it is bro mm-hmm. it's like you you get one course done to get these three in order to get these next three courses next semester you know
1: mm-hmm.
2: dance revelli saves me I remember I go to his room, I'm like, bro, I'm done. I was just cool with him because I know he was a programmer and stuff like that. He looked up the question. He said, when's your class? I told him my class is in an hour. He looks at me, he's like, your class is in an hour? I was like, yeah, he's like, bro, go. Go to class, bro, go to class. Then I'm on the way. He texts me, he's like, what's your what's your email? I said, there's no way. <laughs> I, get, I give him my email. This guy finishes the whole program, runs it, cleans it up. This makes me want to stop Leo Yo. (laughs) This guy literally did it. Shout out to Daniel Crivelli, wherever you're at. I need to connect back with you. Love you, bro. Uh, He was my big. It's crazy how a series of people that you do not meet, it has to be a chain effect for them to save you. I guarantee you, if I was not in Fiji, I would not be majoring in computer science. I would not have a minor in mathematics. I would not have any of that. I I might have been IT, maybe. There's another brother named... Uh, Chaffee, Chris Chaffee he saved me too but he saved me and I saved him too we both saved each other it was just crazy at the last semester whew, he saved me uh, second to last sem- when he was still there he helped me with a series of things but I helped him in a series of things for staff. it was a trade off straight up um, you know what's crazy Aiden we talk that's about good. like academics and all this <laughs> let's be real Aiden we had a wild time at the house that's the truth unexplainable I can't say it was healthy it was, a, it was some crazy healthy experiences for us that we needed in our life, you know, and I loved it.
0: And I think yeah. a lot of the things you're talking about, like it isn't just a crutch off of each other, but really like the power of community. And I think that comes into kind of how you were raised in Virginia. You know, like you said, if you're surrounded by yeah. a group of people that's growing, you guys can help each other build together. You, chaffee like just growing together in that comp roll role, Crivelli, like it just was clear that everyone was out for each other's best interests
1: also um i grew up with a single mom as well i didn't lose my birthday to an accident but i grew up with a single mom and i think a lot of men race aside a lot of men who grew up in a single mom household inheriting lacks that role model father figure but the common variable with you is although you grew up with a single mom it didn't seem like that had impact on your level of confidence how you perceive yourself because it's not about other perceiving you it's about how you perceive yourself and i'm yeah. curious your mom's influence and how you were able to cultivate that level of confidence since the get-go since in high school nobody trusted you it's not
2: people didn't trust me it's like the coach was just an asshole you just a, like literally he's an asshole he's still an asshole i can't say i like the guy because i could only like him because he made me be so stubborn to myself and say nah until i make it i'm going to do it but my mom, my dad didn't die. This is the thing. My dad got in a car accident, but he just, he's just, he's a He's a, and my mom couldn't take care. Of, like, come on. My mom has me, and accident. What are you gonna do? Like, what are you thinking in your, in your head? Yo, all I have is my son, and my love is literally in a coma right now. So he can't move. He can't. He can't assist. And that's what my mom gave me. She taught me strength. She taught me loyalty. She's still taking care of my dad. Still. Think about this. For 26 straight years, she did not remarry. She did not think of anyone other but me and her. Like, our parents worked so hard. Like, the depths of, like, how long they did it for and what they did as they, like, they kept transitioning while they're doing the things. We were, we were not built for that, straight up. I don't care what anyone says. Our generation is not built for that. I'm not. I know I'm not. Like, see me. I could, I could be making six figures right now for for corporate America easily at home. You know what I'm saying? But I'm, I don't want to do it. I don't. It's the same thing. I know I'm not built for that. I want to be built for my path, my journey. And the crazy thing is, as my mom was a sacrifice for me, I'm going to be the last sacrifice seed for my for the rest of my family. I do not see myself enjoying the boats and lion life. This is this. But what do I do see is my son, my my daughters, my their families, everything, they're not thinking about certain things. unless. I hope my son or daughter is not—it's not too crazy and just burns bread. And I'm—you uh, know—I see myself as a sacrifice. Like I'm gonna grind as hard as I can for for my family's name, and it's gonna be stemmed out branches and all of that. Because like, what I've learned—I'll teach it at Pong, LA. But I've met a series of families that have family names that are huge, you know, and they are saved because of the family name. It's not because of them. And I want my family to be saved because of what I've done. And there's no question about how you feel. You could be like, oh, man, you grew up rich or you grew up with it. I want that. Give that to my family. Because
1: mm-hmm.
2: I believe I believe my family is strong enough with my mentality to just be fine and keep growing.
1: I think it's like the legacy aside. I think the common theme for a lot of immigrant families, whereas my Asian parents or your Ethiopian mom, is they want to pass on the torch of hope right there like your mom gave everything up so as my mom she gave everything up as a single mom grinding in the workforce as a woman that like that's not easy at all especially as an asian woman as a black woman like your mom but their hope is that they're sacrificing whatever it takes so that they're passing down the torch of hope so that we know we're taken care of and yeah i think that speaks to a lot of the like the american dream American dream isn't the fact that you can get to a certain place through work, but it's about the fact that you're creating hope for your next family. I think that's what the American dream is, is changing the narrative through sacrifice.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's it. That's literally, that's how, that's what I see as the American dream, you know? If you're being real with yourself, this is, it's the land of opportunities and it's a land of traps. And people don't realize that land of opportunity and traps. So as long as you don't get, you know, trapped so many times you'll be fine you know i've been trapped a series of times you know and i learned from it and i grew from it so and i've received opportunities that i'm like oh wow this is how you do it 2021 is the first year i literally feel good you'll understand why as we talk but i feel so free like i'm literally allowed to do what i want people can judge me for what i do and that's fine with me that does not hurt them and it does not hurt me so i'm just gonna see it as an experience as a whole you know i'll be real with you i had um I had one suicidal moment. Aiden does not know this. It was actually in the Fiji house. I do wanna speak upon this, cause like I said, there's series of people that have saved my life. And I mean, it's like, even though I have maneuvered hundreds of people through tech music, especially in tech, I've helped build a series of structures, but it's crazy. This is how you know, blessings do return back. There was a time out of 18 credits and it was finals week. I was taking a straight 400 to 500 level math classes and computer science classes, well over my head. I'm telling you, I'm a smart individual. Uh, I can be arrogant with how I move, but I do that because I'm going to put myself at that. It's not you putting me up to. I'm there. Knock me down. Try it. Let's work from there, you know? So I did that with myself, not realizing that this is way past, you know, this is way hard. Actually, no, it wasn't hard for me. It was just... I was under the influence of a lot of Adderall. Straight up. I'm going to be real. with you, <laughs> Straight up. A lot of Adderall. No sleep for like four or five days because of the stuff I've done. And the thing that I was only thinking, and Joe Charles have saved my life. No one knows this. The president of Fiji, computer engineering guy, saved my life. I was at the Fiji library, and I was studying. I was the only person there. And all in my head is like, yo, I failed my mom. That's all I kept thinking. I failed my mom, dog. I failed my, I'm crying, I failed my mom. I can't get this done, I can't get this equation done. I can't, and it was a series of them. It wasn't, for me, if it's one thing, I'll bounce back. But then when it's two or three things, I'm like, oh, fuck, you know what I'm saying? Like, what am I gonna do? Time frame is like this, I got nothing, it's the next day, bro. I went literally, I was at a point of committing suicide, bro. I was about to commit suicide. I don't wanna explain the factors, I don't know, I'm not going to explain how I was going to do it, Um, but Joey, somehow, thank God we had the same class for that, uh, he was just, he was just studying at the other side of the mansion, the other side of the Fiji house, same time, it was like 4.30 a.m., no one was up, I'm telling you, no one was up, you know know how crazy this is, because no one knows the story, so he comes in, he's about to see me do something stupid, and instead of saying, yo, bro, relax, like. You don't need to be. What are you like? What are you doing? This guy says, "Yo, what the fuck are you doing?" I was like, <laughs> and I was just, I was just so confused because he didn't go, he didn't go the soft route because he, <laughs> like, he knows me, like he, he's just like, he's like, "Yo, the fuck you doing?" Like, I was like, "Bro, I can't think straight." He's like, "Yeah, we know that." Like, what are you doing? I was like, "Bro, man, this shit's so hard." I'm. About, he's like, "So you're about to fail a class and you're gonna kill yourself for it, bro? Stop being stupid." Put that shit down. So I, I put it down. He's like, no, you know what? Give it to me. I can't even trust you on that. He took it. He's like, bro, what are you thinking? Yo, he moved me in a way that wasn't even supposed to make sense for the situation. You're supposed to be like, yo, bro, it's all good. You know, this guy went head first, head through the wall. He's like, yo, you tripping. He's like, first off, you're a smart guy. This class is always going to be here. What are you doing? He's like, bro, have you thought of everyone around the house? How it's going to affect them? Have you thought of your mom? Come on, bro. You're talking about how you, he's like, you give up for your mom. Were you gonna kill yourself? You definitely gave up on your mom. What are you talking about? He did my mom effect on me. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, if I'm God, what are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? He, he didn't go the soft route, he went the hard route. And what's just wild is the test that I thought I was gonna fail in, that teacher curved the whole class. <laughs> yo, bro, uh, yo, it's wild. Like, it's wild because relationships do matter, right? So I come, I tell him straight up, I'm like, yeah. I failed this test. I told him straight up, I'm like, yo, okay, I'll tell you what it was on. It was on uh, CompSci 464. I'm never gonna forget that class. That's the hardest computer science class in the world because it's straight theoretic. There's no damn answer. It's just theory to more theory. I'm like, dude, but it didn't matter. Cause I was looking at the teacher. He looked at me. He's like, man, you know, you're good. Enjoy your summer, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Five, six hours before that, I wanted to commit suicide. Five, six hours, bro. I literally. Yo, Joe's in that same class, bro. That's the crazy thing. Like, it's wild how life works, because like this is the switch on Joe. Okay. I got Joe's first corporate job. Think about this. If I was not alive, I couldn't assist him receiving that job at Booze Allen Hamilton. No way. Now, this is another twist. He hated Booze Allen at Hamilton. But I was still alive to help him receive his second position. Think like about that. He's like, man, I hate where I'm at. I hate Maryland. Anwar, can you just help me get another job? I'm like, yeah, I got you. Ring. I, I connected with another recruiter in Texas. He can tell you. Next day, he gets on a call. I'm like, yo, yeah, he's a dope guy. He's vicious. I program him. You don't need to worry about him. Pro- recruiter's like straight. Mm-hmm. And he loves it. He, he's still there. He's making a great money. He's making six figures straight up. Joe didn't just save my life. The way I see things, I helped a good amount of people receive positions where it's very high level. Or even if it's so level, you're like, I don't like this. I'll still help you get back to this. Specific. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm a helping hand. I'm not greedy on my connections because I know it comes back. Bro, if you end up working there, I can work there anytime I want. You know what I'm saying? That's how I see it. So, for him, he saved so many people receiving a series of jobs and them stemming for their families. Now. Shout out to Joe. Thank you for saving my life because you definitely saved your own life, you know, and how your journey is. And you saved a series of people's lives, you know? So... That's how I know it was bigger than me, because, obviously, I could have ended it right there. Uh, Fiji would have been fucked, because, obviously, you know about the situation that Fiji had prior. You know what I'm saying? I'm breathing right now, and I'm just like, damn, like, I was such in a dark zone. There was no saving. And then Joey Chuck come in as a strong asshole, and it worked. Somehow, it worked.
0: Sometimes you need that tough love and we definitely do really appreciate you opening up and sharing that. I think sharing about those darker moments takes a level of courage and vulnerability that we really do appreciate. You know, it is, and by talking about it, it brings light to those topics that sometimes get swept under the rug. You know, and as foolish as it does sound of, you know, I was going to fail a class, when you're in it, it feels like it. You know, things coming in from different sides and sometimes having that tough love of what in the hell's going on? Like you just need that actual like shake up kind of like divine storm kind of thing so really grateful that he was there for you and to the point that you spoke about of the help takes different forms right so assistance in one way completely manifests into help in another way but i think the point that you're talking about is karma right it's hard to articulate sometimes but just like the idea of what you give out into the world generally comes back is that something that you've continued to see time and time again
2: no no, uh, for that, I see that as this suicide, right? The suicide could have been a negative ripple effect. Do you not get that? A very negative ripple effect. We at that stage imagine everyone in the house. Uh, I'm thinking of everyone in DMV. I'm thinking about everyone I've met that see me as like a strong potential towards something, you know, and I did not give it. And I'm especially my mom, like, well, I'm gonna leave my mom here by herself on earth. That's mm-hmm. that's jacked up. Like, I was so. Selfish, bro. Like it's it's beyond me, you know <sighs> um, Damn, Aiden, I never told anyone that story, man. So only Joey Chuck knows. Yeah, dude That was a scary part of my life
0: How did yeah. things adjust once that professor said um, have a good did you feel like refreshed or were you still battling some inner stuff? What was the story on the opposite side of getting through that finish line?
2: I just gave myself a lot more love. There's a point where you just realized like it could be funny to you know what I mean you saw me, I was entertaining, I was cool. Like summarize what NWZ or NY is. I'm just a smart nerd, dude. I'm just a cool ass nerd. Cool ass <laughs> nerd. That's it. Coming out that light, like I, I remember leaving leaving the classroom and just thinking, like, wow, there's gonna be times in my life where I'm gonna be so scared, I'm gonna be very dark, but you gotta know your limits. Cause like as a human, you should you're gonna feel yourself drift, man. But it's a beautiful thing when you you learn that limit. Like you understand your limit. So If you wanted to, you could become an actor and dive back into that limit. And it's not going to harm you instead. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's something you could just go to. That's how I see it in that light. Like, now, like I said, I want to be an actor, right? So there's a lot of dark moments that I can dive right back into. But it's not going to be harmful for me. It's, like, more towards, like, it puts me into that character in that realm, you know? Uh, And I'm blessed for that.
1: Yeah, and or uh, I want to echo... Aiden said, and really appreciate you being so vulnerable, especially you've known Aiden for seven years and we met for the first time 15 minutes ago. So it definitely takes a lot of courage and I think it speaks to the person you are. And I just want to focus on that for a bit. You kept referring to George Charles literally saving your life through that forceful, harsh love uh, intervention that pulled you back from the other side. But if if you dig a little deeper, I think you saved yourself because without the relationship, without the relationship as a pillar between you and Joey Charles, then his response would have been very different. Right? Because it's you, your relationship with him ultimately saved yourself and it's ultimately created all this ripple effect. And in here we're talking about the power of happy accidents or the power of serendipity. Right? Because yeah. that four thirty AM encounter of Joe trying to knock some senses in you had this life-changing implications for yourself, for himself, with the two job offers he got through you and through the 100 people that you talked about. I want to self disclose a little bit. Aiden, know this briefly, but I attended at a, uh, a funeral this morning. I attended a, a Zoom funeral this morning at 11 a.m. Right before the interview, I found out a church friend of mine, I'm a Christian myself, uh, a church friend of mine who I last spoke on December 28th, has um, he passed away due to a uh, her surgery complications. It affected me deeply because I left his last message on red. I've never told this story to anyone before, but in honoring of you also being vulnerable, I wanted to share that. So we were talking about meal prepping and fitness stuff on on Instagram and he was trying to get into shape. And he messaged me on December 28th after we talked briefly on December 21st. And I left him on red. I never responded to his response. And I found out yesterday through my church newsletter that they're hosting a funeral for uh, for my friend, Dave Gorgon, that's his name. But fortunately, I think funeral has that celebration element because it's a group of people, group of communities, group of relationships you've built throughout your life. just says how your relationship with Charles saved you because, yes, he was the direct intervention that saved you, but it's your relationship that saved you. That's how I perceive it. And seeing 98 people showed up this morning at 11 a.m. on this Zoom funeral and talking about people honorating and remembering... Like hearing about it, I think once again, speaks to the importance of life. Like what is truly important in life? It's not the status, it's not the job, it's not the salary, it's not the accolades, but do you have a group of people honor you? I think the most important asset in life is how many people show up to your funeral because that's the legacy, right? That is the legacy speaking to, but I just wanted to like focus on that. Um, So with that, if you're okay, like if you want to stay on this topic a little bit longer, of course, uh, because like I said, this is a very deeply personal and vulnerable moment for you. But I think that would be like a perfect segue into the community and the people in LA. Because you talked about Los Angeles' traps and opportunities. And obviously, you've achieved some monumental milestone last year in 2020 as a music producer. To you, it's not a big thing because you know your amounts to so much more. But objectively speaking, uh, it's a huge milestone. And obviously, everyone perceives LA as like the mecca of opportunities, especially for music and Hollywood. So I think that would be cool to talk about. Yeah,
2: sure. If it's fine, I'm going to go with the life sequence, but I'm jumping straight to LA. You're going to see how it's going to work. So after college, I ended up working for Fidelity Investments, and that's the first time I actually worked for a corporate where I did not like it. I was like, yo, this is sad as hell. Uh, uh, I don't care. I don't care. Everyone could judge me. If you work for Fidelity Investments, go ahead, do you. I was not, I was not happy. Everyone around me was not as bright as you would think. That was the worst position I've ever had. And I left when I was not happy. And that was after three months. After three months, obviously my mom was like, what are you doing? They're paying you well, uh, it's just the beginning. You just have to stay there for a little bit. And I'm telling her, this is my time frame. I did what you wanted me to do. I got my degrees, I'm out the door. I know I'm safe in this market beyond a plan B, C, D, E. It's here, it's not going nowhere. So the next day I received my final interview for Rackspace and there was a brother named David he was looking at me like, yeah, you a different priest. And this guy is a, di- a director. Like, he's a director of Rackspace. He has worked for Microsoft, uh, interest with Google. Like You can see his background. He's very in-depth. So he gives me the, the job letter. The next day, I'm like, blessings here, mom. Look, she's not comfortable. Makes her happy. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm going to Texas. You know what I'm saying? So I go to Texas. Before going to Texas, I told myself I'm only staying in Texas for one year. It does not matter how I feel, how much you're trying to pay me. I'm out. You know what I'm saying? And I to- always tell myself, I'm a weird kind of guy. Like my previous self tells myself to get out. At this time frame, there has to be a reason. Like mm. I don't just think it out of my ass. Like I'm like, yo, this is- I feel like this, just do it. I'm getting paid well. I'm over six figures, working virtually throughout the United States, just working programming. And this is before the pandemic. So remember, this is luxury. This is before when it was luxury to you know work from home. And I'm 21, 22. I'm like, wow, this is cool. You know what I'm saying? This is crazy. <laughs> Living the dream. So exactly at that point that's living the dream for other eyes and my eyes too but i'm not happy you know what i'm saying a year passes the director's trying to pay me more dave's trying to pay me like some crazy amount but he's like bro i got you i'm like no because i (laughs) because like because when i came because when i came in it was an environment that was blissful i had eli which was like my close friend and when i was working marcus smart techie he's just too smart for his own good and he's sarcastic he's sarcastic like good love like I, i i felt the love that i needed you know But I told myself a year. You know what I'm saying? I move out to California now. I go to LA. I got connected with Snapchat. They put me into this PM program at Santa Monica, and now I'm looking into like product management. So while I'm doing that, I'm having free time to try things out.
0: Real quick, can I say something? Like before you go to PM, you said you gave yourself a reason for that one year. Was that just a feeling? Like why did you say I'm only gonna stay here for a year?
2: I knew I didn't belong there. Yeah, yeah, I knew I didn't belong in Texas. And no matter how amazing it was, I knew I just didn't... Like, it's crazy sounds. I know I don't belong in L.A., but I know the opportunities here, and I shifted differently. It's different here. And that's why maybe I had to come here to learn, to be observant for this time frame. Because if I came now, I'd be delayed by a couple years, you know? Because I still have to learn L.A. So... uh, Coming into L.A., this is... Now I'm going to talk about the good and bad sides to L.A., okay? I'm not going to just talk about the dark sides because I have been blessed. So, coming into L.A., I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Palm trees, great weather. Hopefully the people are the same. And when I came in, I knew how I would gain people by just giving them what they want. They don't need to know what I do or who I am. That doesn't make sense for them. But what I could do is I could advise, ask someone they, they want. And that's pictures, photographer. You know what I'm saying? They didn't know I'm a techie. They didn't need to know if I need money. I didn't need money from them. So they're getting free shoots. And they're going to be like, yeah, I want free pictures. Yeah, slide. You know what I'm saying? Of course. So my first couple of months, I met a good amount of artists. I was in Paramount Studios. I was in all lit studios just because free pictures. You want free pictures. <laughs> Everyone wants free pictures, you know? And so I was like, yeah, and why the photographer. I come in to studios, taking pictures. They have no idea what I do, who I am. And I love it. They they can't ask anything from me, you know? Mm. And, and I'm just literally going there for the friendship. You know, I don't need anything else. I'm new here. I don't know anyone. While the sequence of the PM program, because I'm still doing the PM program. Don't forget that. I'm still doing the PM program. I learned my first business tip. Do not do business with people you do not know or have a reference to or from. I opened up a dispensary with a guy I did not know. Meaning like he had license. I didn't know him. He just had the opportunity. So this is an example of a trap. Okay. So I was so hype on a dispensary. I'm not sure if you remember Aiden, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, but I talked to him, I was like, yo, this is lit. I was telling my friend, like, yo, this is crazy. Yeah, it's dope. It's, to be an owner of a it sounds amazing. Yeah, but the facts within it were so, so hard. And the guy I was with, he wasn't business savvy. He just lit, he just had the opportunity. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. It's like someone owning a pizza parlor, but doesn't know how to run it. Where do you go from here? You have to find a person to run it. Or you got to run it. You know what I'm saying? He didn't have experience. So... I had to be the person to find out about zonings, so I had to be a thousand feet away from another dispensary, a thousand feet away from a church, uh, a school, a thousand feet away from. You know what I'm saying? Like there's certain zonings, and that made it impossible in LA. Because once you find that certain spot, they spike it. It's expensive, you know. And on top of that, there's it's not federally legal, so you have to put it within a credit union, right? And credit unions they charge a maintenance fee of fifteen thousand dollars a month. Whoa. So yeah, you got that, and then you have six thousand dollars for rent, and then you have. For Ganja, for marijuana, they tax by month. So you have to, they tax by month. It's not quarterly or annually. You have to go through this portal by month and they they tax you from like 36% to whatever. You know what I'm saying? So think about it. And now you have the operation. People think this might be the, the craziest thing I say on the podcast. I wouldn't do, I wouldn't, okay, I'm gonna say it in a tone. You guys understand? <laughs> I, I wouldn't do selling marijuana illegally, but I would definitely not do it legally. What about that? I said the same mm-hmm. thing twice for legally and illegally. I hope you guys get the hint. You know what I'm saying? For now, the amount of laws that are getting construed and stuff like that. You'll be fine. I wouldn't say you'd be fine, but I'm not gonna accept on it. I I just don't approve on the legal stance because it's too damn expensive. And coming in as a small man, there's already big headers, and they're already knocking you off. And the illegal side of things, they're doing it illegally. And obviously they're caking because they're not paying a maintenance fee. They're not paying. They're just, okay, the cops come and what? They just bum rush and take, you lost a couple of K. That's a lot cheaper than paying 27,000 mm-hmm. a month without even starting your business. Like you know what I'm saying, so...
1: Quick interruption, just for a little context for the listeners, I just want to confirm the timeline with you. So you oh. experienced this dispensary with your partner who you did not know. So you broke your carnival rule number one of not to do business with that.
2: I didn't know. I didn't know that carnival rule. This is something that I learned. Ab- among oh, from I, the experience. Yeah, I, I learned from the experience. So I did business with him. He didn't know what the hell he was doing. But also, he didn't allow me to control certain things, so I was mm. like, yo, forget it, you can control it, it's gonna burn to the ground. It did not do well. I signed off my rights to another person. I don't know how it's doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I left, because you're, you're an anchor, You're not you're not someone that's uplifting, so I left that. And I ended up partnering with another individual for a food truck in DC. That food truck was not doing well, okay? That's the crazy thing, it was not doing well. But I had a good relationship with the guy at the time. He was an amazing guy, good Muslim.
1: But while you're still in California, right?
2: Yeah, still in California. Now this is another rule in business, but I'll explain it after. So I'm helping my co-partner uh, at the time build Mo Burgers, which is a food truck, and I'm like, you know what? Let's let's do this. I got you. Don't worry. Him, he's thinking like, I want to sell the truck. I can't stand this junk. It's not doing well. There's no money in this. I'm looking at him like, bro. You haven't done this, 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 this. We we'll have this, this. You haven't looked into this, this, this. Now his mind is racing, mm. and now you have like with me. What I give you is I give you confidence. I know that for a fact. Like when you talk to me about yourself, you're gonna have so much confidence because now you have a way of thinking. Like you're like, oh, I didn't think of this. So that's why I give you that edge. Like I'm a person that tosses an edge on. You, you know, even if you don't like me, if you like me, if we if we end it off bad, it doesn't matter. I know for a fact, I gave you edge. I, I made you think a different way. Simple as that. My fault, let me, let me get back. Um, so I I help with the food truck. I put it on like Uber Eats, Postmates, DoorDash. I, you know, market myself on IG, stuff like that. Now it's doing, it's doing well. I have a little buzz in DMV. He has a little buzz in DMV, just love, you know what I'm saying? Now it's going up. Second rule, for me, be near your business.
1: Hmm.
2: Be near your business, because you don't know. It's gonna be expensive to keep flying in and out. It's based off trust, right? Off the relationship. So there's a lot of things that went south on that side more towards me, because I didn't make money, I didn't get paid. So think about this, like, arm and leg room for a whole year, I did so much work behind the scenes. So they're only gonna look at the person cooking the food. The person cooking the food didn't have to be my co-owner. Think about that, like, it could have been another chef, and he could have bought it all, and he could have helped me with branding. I said, he said, you know what, I don't wanna pay, I'll just pay myself as the chef, and they will break profits on the back end, you know what I'm saying, 50-50, you know what I'm saying, because it makes sense. I'm like, mm-hmm. cool, why didn't I get paid? Over time, I'm like, yo, this is not right. And then I'm seeing true sides towards the business route. Not him as a human, but him as a businessman. The guy hasn't endured the type of business. This is all he has. You know what I'm saying? That's how I'm thinking. Like, I'm thinking still, pop, thinking in a way that's like, okay, I get why he's doing this. Then he p- fully blows out, ignores me for months. And this is after year. So this is an after year of branding. Okay, let me back up a little bit. After year branding, I deal with some serious things. My mom has colon cancer. She has colon. My mom. Can you believe that? And I was like, oh, fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, this shit's real. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at my dude like, bro, it's been a year, bro. You got paid for a full year. This is the messed up thing. People say always do business with your friends. I advise never to do that. I advise to do business with someone that is knowledgeable towards that field and has a background. Like, you can literally visibly see the background. Like, you can search up and it would make sense to you for that background. I'm not going to do business with friends anymore because, it, like, it doesn't make sense for me. It doesn't. For you, it might, because obviously I might be an asset to you. But for me, it doesn't make sense. So while my mom's having colon cancer, this guy, my co-partner, is ignoring me for months. And I'm like, damn, I'm, in, I'm all the way in the West Coast. But I got to deal with this because, bro, this guy's making money every single day. And I'm not talking about, like, a little 200. He's making anywhere from 700 to 1,500 a day. And he's been doing this for over a year. And I helped build it. This is a psychotic thing. I know a lot of people might be like, yo, man, you shouldn't be, you should have left it be. And Like, no, this is my truth. I never get to talk about my truth. So if anyone puts me on air, I'm going to talk my truth. So there is a series of people in the DMV area that was then after like going at me, like they're going at me like, yo, man, why are you? Ta-? And all I got to say is, man, I did not make a dime and I helped build this company. I'm talking about the entity as whole. I helped build it. Why are my people feeding him? Like, this is that a point? I'm not. My people are not even feeding me anymore. Like, they haven't ever fed me. And my mom has colon cancer, and our bills are two thousand a month for insurance. Not to let alone the other things that we have in life. I'm not talking. Forget student loans. I was paying. There's a point in my life I was paying anywhere from. There's certain people that can vouch for this because they've seen it. Like they've seen my stress levels. I was paying anywhere from fifteen thousand to twenty-five thousand a month in fees. Jesus. It was just at a point I was just like, wow, this is life right now. Like God, please, something got to be fixed. So when coming into the food truck, you know what they did to me? Remember, I said, I bought in. I came into the food truck. It was pre-made, but it wasn't doing well. It's like buying a previous business. Mm-hmm. There was a lien on the truck without me knowing.
1: So there was a lien or a leak into your truck? There,
0: Lean. A, a lien, a oh. lien
2: on the title. There was yeah. a lien on the title. Meaning that there was thousands that were owed towards another owner. And I wasn't told upon it. I would just sign on an agreement guy left and left me with dirt you know what i'm saying and i'm like wow this is crazy talk this is dc it's not even la this is dc people i know like i grew up with they know me you know that i'm a sweetheart i'm just now i'm just i have to be this way and people like you don't have to i have to i gotta protect myself now i'm only getting older you know we can't do the same mistakes 14 times you can't yeah it was sad there was a lien on the trough guess what he didn't pay for it guess who paid for the lien you I paid for the lien. Oh, geez. Wow. I paid mm-hmm. for the lien. And then for a year of building the business, I did not get paid for. It. And I did it because I cared for the individual. So there's a point where I come into agreement with the co-owner. After months of him ignoring me, I had to make my mom, who has colon cancer, drive to the crib and find the crib. And we didn't even know the crib. She had to knock on neighbor. Think about this. This is uncivil. This is not even how you should be moving in business. Like, this is straight emotion at that point. But I'm like, dog. Why are you doing it? Why are you making it hard for me and my own mom? And you know the situation. Like, what's, what's wrong? Cool. I learned. I sold my portion of the truck. If it's running, good for him. If it's not, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? It's like one of those things. It's an experience I never want to get again. And um, this is where I can talk about how LA is a lot darker than people can perceive it.
1: I just want to quickly validate you before you go on about the LA dark side. You kept talking about how if you want to, tech is your plan, C-D-E-F, which itself yeah. is a pretty remarkable thing because i mean with the workforce as you know more than we do the software developers is a cushy industry because of the skill sets that you have so the fact that you can perceive and the fact that you have the skill set of tech backing you up as a plan d or e if you want to i think that's a validation of your work and your process all along
0: and also stability gives opportunity for risk taking You know, like, I think you're able to, I mean, from what I'm hearing from your stories and from what it seems like from the outside, having a backup plan almost allows you to take, like, more risky decisions in the interim, because, like, say everything goes to shit like you kind of mentioned, tech's always there. You could always, like, hop into a great PM role, a great software role, but that allows you to kind of navigate differently or more freely than you would be without that full-time backup thing.
2: Yeah, exactly. And low-key... All that happened because three people: my mom for spitting on me and telling me I'm not doing nutrition. That's one. <laughs> and she's always doing computer science. Second one is Desha Valley for saving me and not, you know, extending my length of, I guess, learning. I don't know, man. Like, and Chris Trophy just to see that, like, we're human. It is risk taking and all that, but also how I see things is, uh, whenever I'm going into an endeavor, I see it, I see it as it is. I free fall towards it. I just believe in myself and I go towards it. And I plan. I execute. Right, after I execute, I reflect, and then I pivot. And that's what people don't do. But that doesn't mean after I pivot, I don't I go back. I go back into that cycle. I plan, execute, reflect, pivot. And then I do it again. Plan, execute, reflect, pivot. Cause all you're doing is you're aligning yourself to be in the correct aspect for yourself, you know, or for that project in that aspect. Like literally, like.
0: Could we go down this real quick? Cause I think you gave a micro example, but in your specific circumstance, like you just told three stories of failed businesses that I think would have knocked a lot of people off course. How do you graciously leave those things and kind of keep this momentum going? Uh, It's kind of Uh, clear that you're moving through it confidently and with optimism, but what kind of kept you trending in such a strong direction?
2: It's not like they failed. It's like this. The first food truck for me wasn't a failure. It blossomed. It's doing well. Like, he's eating. My Mm ex-co-partner, he's doing well. He's doing well. So that means the business flourished you feel me at the end of the day you could be spreading yourself thin towards an aspect that's not for you bro imagine that like you're like damn so now he could be doing well i don't feel bad because like that means i did well in what i've done you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying uh so i learned that and i'm honest upon that it doesn't mean that it failed you know what i'm saying like continuing doesn't mean that you succeeded that doesn't mean you succeeded all that's happening is what i told you which is planning executing was like pivoting and every time you're failing you're just aligning yourself to succeed but that doesn't mean you succeeded. That's what I'm trying to say. Like so, my fault. Going back to the question, something that you might have not known, I was still doing software engineering. I was still using my tech side of things, and it was making me amazing money. Like I was doing marketing. I was building scripts for my own. So even though I wasn't working corporate, I was still building Python scripts that executed for certain things, like uh, that helped with social media or SEO work or stuff like that. And I was making around seven to anywhere from like seven to eleven thousand a month and and that's me making me money Mm -hmm. that's not it's not a company making me money it's me doing my skill for myself you know so it's different so like you like like you said you have to have a little stability to understand so a lot of people in music which is crazy they see me as a marketer that's what's crazy like and as they should they met me as a marketer some people they see me as management because they met me as management some people they see me now as a producer as you should i'm branding myself as a producer but if you try to tell me now yo man can you manage me? I'll tell them that I'm not a manager. I look at them like, I'm not a manager. I don't manage people anymore. Oh, can you market? I don't do that anymore. I'm a, I'm a producer. If you like to work, we can work in that aspect. Because now I got to work for myself. I got to make myself important. That's the dominant thing. Because then I'm actually getting to use 100% of myself. I never got this chance in my life. Never. People, they can say, a, I never got the chance to use 100%. It's because you don't use 100% of yourself. Me, I try to exhaust myself. I'm excessive. I need to know my limits, you know? So, coming into L.A., I was doing photography, and I met a guy named Moezy. He allowed me to do a, a photo shoot of him in a skate park, and that was a ripple effect to what we have now, I guess. Like, we, we work together, we're good. He's already, he's already an international star. He's, he's going to Europe, he's, like, in Belgium, Lithuania, Latvia. This year coming, he's gonna be in Spain, like, in a month. I'm gonna go with him, too. We're gonna just, you know, work, musically. So, Sorry, let me backtrack. I've been talking a lot. So, when when coming into this game, he introduced me to an artist named Menelik Zergabachu, a talented individual, and I was managing at the time. So, um, Menelik liked me, we we're good, and he's like, you know what? Yeah, hell yeah. You seem like a bright guy. I know what you're doing. Remember, I've never did anything with music. Like Aiden, you know, mm-hmm. you know how my mind works. I'm very math enhanced. You know, mm-hmm. so I come, I jump into his vision. Remember. I don't have a vision in L.A. right now. I'm kind of a little lost, you know, if I'm being real. So I ended up managing Menlik and uh, there's just a series of problems with him. He had issues that he had to fix for himself to brand himself. And it sucks because, like, I'm I'm there, but too many heavy, strong ties. and never made sense for me. Like, I'll be real with you. Like, there was no mm-hmm. point towards it. Remember, I'm just telling my truth. It never made sense for me. He had issues with... Other producers, I wasn't a producer at the time. Remember, I was managing. His problem with that guy, of course, is going to stem to me because I'm managing him. Not being blackballed, but you're being looked at so bad. Like I don't know the history, but I'm learning the history a long time. But now I'm in that history because mm. I'm, I'm backed by him. So remember, like, whoever you build relationships with, you need to know if if you really care for them or you want to like show them love, whatever. You kind of need to know their kind of depths because you need to know who they are, bro. How they move or. What's the reason behind this? And it's not about them telling you like truly you can see it. And if you're not filled with fluff, you're gonna have a certain answer that makes sense. That's it. So that situation, it didn't make sense. It didn't go well. He had a problem with a signed agreement with another producer, he was acting on it. In my behalf, if I was him, I would have capitalized in a different measure. That's why and I'm being honest. If I was if I was him as an artist, I would have been in the studio making as much music as I can, and I would not be fighting the agreement. But certain artists are different. They're like, no, I don't want you to take my art. Hand in hand, everyone is different. If I would have maneuvered, I would have capitalized in a position I was at, because I'm an amazing artist. He was He's an amazing artist, but he just waited. Like, if I'm being real, he just waited for everyone to execute him, to help him. And I'm not talking about just me, to my others around him, and that sucks. It's not how it works, bro. It never worked like that. Should never worked for me like that. And I knew that, like I had to be the person to assist to be blessed on in the future, and I used that. So for him, I hope he's doing well. I don't know what he's doing now. All I know is I, for me, it was a great experience, but I lost a lot of money. I lost thousands of dollars thinking of a dream through his vision, and um, I lost a lot of time.
0: Thank you for listening to part one of our interview with Ann Weezy. We hope his stories resonated with you and encourage you to look at life in a new way. Tune in next Monday, February 8th, for part two of the interview, where we discuss his musical journey in Los Angeles. Thank you for listening. Thank
1: you for listening to another episode of Discover More. We release a new episode every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and it would really appreciate
0: if you have subscribed and shared this with your friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next week in the journey of discovering more through intentional dialogues.